let's get to our next guest, Jared. Um, oh, I haven't spoken to him for a while, so I'm looking forward to this. He's the former AFL football operations manager at the AFL. His name's Adrian Anderson. Adrian, thanks for your time and, and welcome back to Sports Day. Thanks, Kane. Um, where did it all, I mean, when was the first alarm bells that were raised with you in relation to head knocks and concussion? And what are your, what are your memories of, of the crackdown? Because, you know, f- for me, it probably started with the front on bump and I played a lot of footy with Byron Pickett, who was an expert at that, which was legal at the time. And I think you were influential in outlawing that, but can you take us back to, to when it first started the crackdown? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, Mark Williams, uh, who you'll be very familiar with, Kane was one who was great ally in trying to work out how to protect players better from head knocks. And uh, and we introduced that rule about players with their head down over the ball. And, um, yeah, one of the key priorities, uh, you know, certainly my time there was to try and make the game, uh, make the game safer to play. And I think what's, you know, a big part of that debate is the, is the interchange. And uh, you know, I've seen what Lee Matthews had to say today, and it's it's clearly one of the big levers that the AFL has at its disposal, which affects the pace of the players out there on the ground. Mm. A lot of people say, Adrian, that it's more circumstantial than that. It's it's decision making, not so much fatigue. Um, what's your answer to those people, and, and to those who say, well, how do you prevent Braden Maynard's, given that his was uh, early in the first quarter? Yeah, well, I think Jared, that there's no denying, and you know, certainly, you know, have act, looked at the data at the time that the way the interchange is used materially increases the pace of the players, yep. right? And over the course of a season, the the pace at which the players hit each other is directly proportional to the you know risk of um, more serious head injury or you know and other forms of injury and. Um, so, and it's at all levels of the game um, that you know players getting extra rest, coming back out there. Um, there's data which shows it's materially faster as a result. Yep. So I think Lee is absolutely 100% right when he says that reducing the interchange would reduce the speed of the collisions, and it'd have to have a, a positive, um, a positive impact. Um, and it's it's something that you know you even see it. It's not something just at AFL level. It's you see it at community level as well, where the uh, um, uh, players get rest, come back out there, recharged, hit each other harder as a result. And uh, you know it's something that um, I'm just a little bit puzzled why it's a lever that hasn't been pulled a lot harder, um, because you know it's such a clear and logical link. I was talking about this on Monday night, Adrian, and I'm pretty sure I made the point that uh, you took this suggestion at one stage to the AFL Commission, and yet uh, there was a lot of pushback from Players Association, from fitness people, from uh, some coaches at the time. From players, Jared. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Players Association yeah. uh, were uh, pretty strong, and the players. Strong, and yeah. the players. What, what was what was yeah. their what was their beef? Well, different people had different beefs, but I think some people thought. That it wouldn't um, would have, might affect soft tissue injuries. Yep. Some people, but there wasn't evidence of that. Um, some people thought, you know, that we're interfering with the coach's tools 
you know, we're interfering with, um, I think that, you know, a lot of the coaches, not, not all, but a lot of the coaches and a lot of the um, high performance staff were very protective of the interchange and they think they use it really well. But, you know, I think the Players Association is one where, you know, this is a chance, I think, you know, an area where they really need to show strong leadership. Um, you know, it's up to the leaders of the Players Association, even if it's not popular at the time with the players and, you know, the coaches they're dealing with or the, or the high-performance staff to um, do what's in the best interest of the players long-term. And the threat and the, um, yeah, the threat of uh, head injury is one of the biggest threats, if not the biggest threat, facing the game. And I'm, you know, I'm a parent like many of your listeners will be, and it's the thing that, you know, is a question mark for parents when their kids want to play footy. And we have to confront this threat full on. And restricting the interchange is a very material thing that can be done, which will have a material impact. So why wouldn't the Commission support you, uh, given that it is the most uh, critical element facing the game and was even back then from a concussion perspective? Well, I think it's grown a lot, Jared. to be fair. Like this is, you know, 10 years ago we're talking about. So I think the... You know, the, the concerns and um, have really grown in that period. And um, so it's a bit different to back then. I think it was the influence of, I know for a fact, some of the coaches and some yep. of the um, players who are influenced by coaches and clubs who um, were towing the line that they were, you know, uh, that, that their coaches or fitness people were pushing. Um uh, that was the reason, I think, at the time. But I think it, over that 10 years, you know, we all sit back now and think, gee, there's, this is even more of a concern than what um, was even apparent at that time. Would you think and the AFL is negligent in not going down that track? Is that too strong a word? Uh, yeah, well, look, I'm certainly not going to say that. But w- what, what I would say is that, you know, and the, and the AFL has got a lot of... Uh, clever people who'll be doing exactly what they think needs to be done to protect the players there must be fully aware of this issue. It's just, and they've done so many good things, but there's this one lever that is an obvious lever to pull that will reduce the speed of collisions at all levels of the game and has to have a positive impact in reducing the force of collisions over the course of a game. Mm. You can always point to one incident and say, oh, that could have happened regardless, or they'll still be moving fast at the start of games yep. or whatever. But you have to look at the data over the course of the whole season in all the legs. What's the overall impact on the pace and the force of the collisions? And look, I think it'll actually make probably open up the game. I, I just, we all know, we've all, not all, but... People our age have seen the game with hardly any interchange. We, we know that the game, um, uh, we know what it's like to have hardly any interchange. It's not doing something new. It's actually taking the game back to uh, the way it was. It, it definitely would open up the game. It definitely would. Now, there's, there's fierce yeah. opposition to this suggestion, and there's some supporters of it. I've been a big supporter for a long time. Because you're fatigued, you can't put that level of pressure on the ball, which gives the player with the ball more time and space. They make better decisions and play will open up because you can't sustain that level of pressure. But the pushback before you go, Kane, the pushback on that from the coaches was, at the time it was suggested, well, we're only going to flood back. But now with a 666 rule in, 
it's uh, it becomes even more difficult to respond the way they would have. And you might get yeah. more stay-at-home forwards because they can't physically get up and back and mm. down the ground. The, the question I've got for you, Adrian, though, so interchange doubled from 2007, where it was 56 interchanges per game, and 2010. So in a three-year span, and, and Collingwood, I think, will influence you in this, it went to 113 per game. It's now landed at 75. So the AFL would say, well, we have restricted interchange at 75. What, what's the magical number? Is it 30? Is it 15? Is it 50? I guess that's what would need to be experimented with. Yeah. Well, look, I think they should be looking at cutting it right back. I saw that Lee said, you know, drastically reduce or eliminate. And I think they should be considering, uh, considering taking it right back. I would think something like 10 is, is not out of the... Uh, not out of the um, question, and it's uh, you know something that needs you know a serious uh, mm. a serious mm. consideration earlier rather than later. Um, can, can, and you're absolutely I'm... right about what you said about the score opening up. You know, because when I remember when we looked at later in quarters, later in games, um, when the interchange was first reduced, it that's when you saw the as the players got tired, there was a corresponding increase in scoring, which uh, mm. supports what you were saying just before. Can I move on with the with the issue facing the AFL, and that's a you know that's big lawsuits in relation to players who have suffered with with head knocks, and and the the question that often gets raised, and you've got a legal background, so you may be best to to answer this is, why can't the AFL get players to sign a waiver as they come into the competition, saying that they know the risk of playing this game, and that mitigates the AFL from any future damages? Well, why wouldn't that hold up legally, Adrian? Oh, look, um, waivers can work. Um, they're notoriously difficult to uh, uphold. Um, I think the bigger issue, the more important issue than a waiver is just let's do the right thing. How, how do we make this game as safe to play as we possibly can? And, and, well, and I know that's to do that, you could, cut out all, yeah. you could cut out all contact. You could cut out the high mark because of the risk to the knee. The no, 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 sorry, sorry, so, sorry. I shouldn't have so said that. There's always going to be... A, there's yeah. always going to be a level of, of risk. Of there Otherwise, there's a risk. game that no one wants to watch. Yeah. Now, what I mean is safe as you can make it to play, as you reasonably can make it to play, within the confines of a body contact sport. So you're exactly right. There's always going to be a risk. But when there's something you can do that's very material that affects that risk, and it's only just it's something that we've seen in the game before, it's not... Uh, it, it, it's not something that's going to dramatically affect the spectacle of the game or the fabric of the game because it's something that's originally wasn't even part of the fabric of the game. Then you could, that's why you need to be looking at it. Mm. Well, mate, we appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Uh, it's always good to get you on. We might um, this this issue will go off. It's not going to go anyway because it's polarising, and some say, "Nah, we want the interchange where it is," and, and others like us, I think, are suggesting that. Uh, a further cap would be beneficial to the players and their safety and the look of the game. Appreciate your time, Adrian. No, that's my pleasure, guys.